Welcome, everyone. As you all know, the pastor's away, so I'm doing the announcements today. Uh, on the front of your uh, bulletin, you'll notice that we're asking for assistance stacking and storing the chairs at the end of the service. On the back, you'll notice we've got Senior Commodity Day this Tuesday, so we always need to pick up the chairs after service before then. Uh, call your attention to some changes on the schedule. There will be no deacons meeting. The pastor's away, so we're going to play hooky this afternoon. <laughs> no deacons meeting. It sounds like everybody's got plenty of other things to do. We'll send out an email to the deacons about uh, upcoming uh, events and reminders. Uh, there is a diversity parade next Saturday. There's some information if you'd like to participate in that, where if you've got a community Baptist church, you can wear that. Uh, they'll meet next Saturday at 4th and Main um, at 9 a.m., and I believe the parade's at 10. Uh, church picnics next Sunday. Uh, we'll, church will provide the meat and the drink, so if you um, can bring a vegetable, a salad, or a dessert, uh, that would be very helpful and enjoyable. Uh, there's other information on there. I'll just ask you to purview that. Uh, Hoops and Cheer is coming up, uh, so there's going to be a lot of activity here then. Our Wednesday night dinners are going again, and you've got your mowing schedule and nursery uh, volunteers on there. If you're on that list, as well as uh, the blood drives coming up, so Jika may be contacting you about that in October. You've got the red um, uh, folders to uh, write your name down, and if you're visiting with us, please put your name there. Uh, at this time, we'd like to ask everybody to stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
pray with me, please. Dear God of light and life and love, we really have heard your messages to us down through the ages of humanity. You've proclaimed for all to hear, in you there is no darkness. Nothing that exists or has ever existed can hide the radiant light of your presence among us. Forgive us when we cling to shadows in this dreadful time of shadows where vanity and foolishness would shroud the light and deceive us. Send us into the light to join you in the work of your realm, doing deeds of mercy and peace, feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, bringing balm to the sick and hopeless, comforting the anxious and sad, and welcoming the stranger in your good name. Help us to follow the beacon of your light. And be light in the darkness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. It's good to see you. Did you happen to recognize the song that Miss Chica was playing? Well, it is a spiritual. I'm just praying a dinosaur. You are praying a dinosaur. Well, tell me this. Besides who lives in your family? A trachodon. What is a trachodon? A new type. Oh, okay. They're reinventing dinosaurs? A pink track. Does he live in your world? He does. <laughs> well, good. Oh, well, I'm glad that you have strong legs and that you can run. 
But tell me, who lives in your world? Do you know? Um, Trackadons. Trackadons? Who lives in your world? <laughs> who? A unicorn. A unicorn. Who lives in your world? <laughs> it's your world. Who do you think lives there? Walking Jesus. Walking <laughs> Who lives in your world? I was not going there at all. That was trying. <laughs> I was trying to get get you to tell me your friends at school. Do they live in your world? Do you think? <laughs> well, how about? Um, do you ever think about children your own age that live, say, in England? Or in India. <laughs> or in a trackathon world. <laughs> really, really fast, yes. Or how about in India? Or in Jamaica? They're kind of scary in their world right now, isn't it? How about uh, in Africa? Nope. These. Have you ever thought that maybe we're living in their world too? Sometimes we kind of get involved in our world, but I have a story to read for you. And this is one that says he's got the whole world in his hands. It is written by Cater uh, Nelson. He's got the whole world in his hands. You know what I thought that picture right there looked like? Uh-huh. The eclipse. I did too. He's got the whole world in his hand. It's a big city. You ever been to a big city? Like Chicago or Nashville or Yes. It's even the people that live in the big city are in his hands. He's got my brothers and my sisters in his hands. Even your little brother or your little sister. Or the friends in your classroom? He's got the whole world in his hands. Does that look like your world? But it's his world. The writer of this book. Different, isn't it? He's got the sun and the rain in his hands. Have you ever let the rain fall on your face? He's got the moon and the stars in his hands. He's got the wind and the cloud in his hands. You think the people in Florida and Texas are really wondering about the wind in, in, the, in his hands? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the rivers and the mountains in his hands. Fishing with his daddy. He's got the oceans and the seas in his hands. He's got you and he's got me in his hands. He's got you and he's got me in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. The whole world. He's got everybody here in his hands. Everybody here. He's got the whole world in his hands. This is a spiritual. This is a, a story that he wrote 
from a spiritual. And a spiritual was written as a song. Well, I found this verse in Ephesians 6. It says, 619, yes, it says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. So when we get scared and think that no one is in our world, it's a spiritual that they wrote to help them have comfort. That it is a scary time. You know, the people that are living in Florida and Texas, it was scary for them. But I wonder if this song would have been one they could have sung. But he's got the whole world in his hand for all that is going on. And there are people, we sometimes think it's our world, but there's other people that are in this world too that maybe we're in their world. But we want to think about that, that we can pray for other people as well as other people pray for us because he's got the whole world. In his hand. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
May we pray. Our most gracious and kind Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this church. We thank you for everyone who came out today, Father. Father, we ask you to be with Angie as she brings us uh, the message today, Father, and we also ask you to be with Brother Tim as he's away. Father, bless these tithes and offerings, and we give you all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Tell me of a home far beyond the skies. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day.
angels all around us every day. Amen. And over the past two weeks, we have had <coughs> angels visit us in the form of another thing that I'm very proud of, and the fact that I worship and belong to a church that recognizes women and ministry. Amen. 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 We've had Reverend Mary Rye preach for us last week. And Mary, I'm so sorry that Greg and I were not here for, to hear your sermon. But this Sunday, we are here. And another one of our angels is here, Reverend Angie Humphrey. Many of you know Angie from her work that she's done in TV news and local lifestyles here in Henderson. We've got a lot of her fans. I'm sorry that Judy's not here this morning. Judy, Judy Hudson is one that dearly loves to watch Angie every day in her work and lifestyles. Will you join with me in welcoming to our pulpit this morning the Reverend Angie Humphrey, one of my angels? Well, good morning. Wow, what a welcome. And you know, Nitty, my name really is Angel. You know, Angela means angel or messenger. What do you think? Perfect. Well, I've got to say, uh, it's been a while since I sat in front or in the midst of a choir like that. Wow. Oh, great. And Jika, that little offertory there, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. <laughs> Woo! Woo! I want to go like that. Oh, my goodness. Wowza. <clears throat> that was amazing. So, I mean, I've already had church. We can all just go on home if you like. <laughs> But I'm glad to be here and enjoyed your little guy. Davis, is that his name? And, you, and I have to sympathize with both of you because all of my life, when I was his age, and I, somebody's always been trying to tell me to shut up. <laughs> Just let him go. It's fine. He'll rule the world one day. He's cute. I want to ask you, just a few weeks ago, you know, something phenomenal happened in the heavens. How many of you saw the eclipse? Oh, very good. Very good. Pretty impressive, wasn't it? Very powerful. I was, of course, in Madisonville where we were broadcasting live, so we had totality there. And it's been a long, long, long time since I've seen an eclipse, and certainly not in that setting. And so I was, I was stunned, and I think, as we would say, gobsmacked by the magnitude of it and the power of it. And what was striking to me, a couple of things were striking to me about it, was when totality came, and I'm lying on a quilt at uh, Mar Park, and I can take my glasses off, and that moment when the light shifts, and everybody was asking me, you know, what was it like? Well, I can't tell you what it was like. I can tell you what it wasn't like. It wasn't like sunset. It wasn't like uh, dusk. It wasn't like a cloudy day or an un clouded day. Um, it was only like itself. It was an experience that for me was sacred. And at that moment there in Mar Park with all those thousands of people, for one minute and 45 seconds, all of us looked at exactly the same thing. We were impacted and impressed and even empowered by this sacred experience. It's a natural phenomenon. It happens all over the world all the time. But for us, it was a special time. And I wanted more of it. I wanted it to go, go back. I want to rewind and do that again so I can fully appreciate Thankfully, seven years from now, we'll get to see it for ourselves downtown Evansville and right here because we'll be in the path of totality. But one of the things that it 
it reminded me of is that not just the unity of that moment with all of the people who were viewing it in our area and across the country was the play between light and dark because it was a sunny day it was a gorgeous sunny day and so there was this interplay between light and dark and I want to show you some images on the screen can you pop them up there yay so this is a beautiful scene is this not unfamiliar full moon on the water the next scene is about the same thing maybe a little cloudier I can't see so I'll just take my own word for it here and then of course there's a sunny meadow there and all of those things show us something they evoke feelings when we see this kind of picture it sets a mood it is as art critics call it atmospheric it gives us a sense of being present in the moment and knowing how that feels it's an interplay of light and darkness and it is a very powerful image in the gospel of john and actually throughout the new testament but in particular in the gospel of john there are elements there that are powerful and religious today we're going to look at john's gospel a little bit it's one of my favorites it sort of a it distances itself from matthew mark and luke for lots of reasons it's a very different cat altogether it doesn't tell the same stories they tell it doesn't tell them in the same way or for the same purposes in fact John was created out of a community of Jews, and this community of Jews had been disenfranchised from Judaism. And by that I mean they wanted to follow Jesus, but they really didn't know how to do that and stay within the bounds of the synagogue. And really what happened, very likely, scholars believe that this group of Jews, who were now Christ followers but also Jews, were sort of cast out of the synagogue. They were ostracized, if you will, because they were really pushing this Jesus story down the throats of the people who wanted everything to remain just as it had been. Pretty familiar, isn't it, in church life? Nothing ever changes. So this group moved toward mysticism, which always happens when traditionalism takes hold. You'll have a a move outward to that which is mystical, which really just means if you're a mystic, you understand that there's more to us than we can see and that in some way... Through a spiritual experience, we can absorb in or be a part of the divine. And I think that's beautiful, don't you? And that's what these people were trying to advance, that in Jesus, somehow, I'm going to fall through the cracks here with my high heels on. Tim doesn't wear spike heels, does he? (laughs) Not very often, but if he does, take a picture and put it on Facebook, would you? Please do. So these people are, are already in line, okay, for a mystical experience to understand Jesus as more than just the Son of God, but this being that somehow transcends the things that happen in human life. So you have a Jewish community writing a text very late, probably at the end of the first century, beginning of the second century. So lots of stuff's already been written. So they're developing an understanding about Jesus that is new. And they're writing from that experience new material that hasn't been read or seen before. Many of the authors, and there were more than one, many authors, many hands have been on this document. And it's unique because it has a different tone and it tells stories with characters you never see in any other gospel. You don't know in any other gospel the raising of Lazarus. Lazarus come forth, that's only in John. You don't meet the woman at the well in any other gospel but John. You don't meet Nicodemus coming at night, except in John. Mary Magdalene, alone at the tomb, that's John as well. 
And it reflects how the community began to understand and relate to Jesus and explain Jesus. Because that's what we do, right? As, as Christians, that's what we're doing. We're explaining Jesus as we understand him in our lives. It is an old tradition, and may, we probably get it just as wrong as everybody else does, but we're trying, and they were trying too. In the Gospel of John, there is a constant theme of light and dark. And it's not there just for literary purposes. It's there for a theological purpose to help you see and help me see and help them see. Light and dark are powerful presence in the text. And they hearken to something that's very familiar to us as well. Now remember, these are Jews. These are Jews, born Jews, temple-trained Jews, Torah Jews, people who are the Genesis Jews. So they understand that beginning, a beginning story, right? That in the beginning, God created everything from the stuff that was already there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering, I love that, hovering over the waters. And you want to ask, what waters? Right? And God speaks into the void where darkness covered the face of the deep and said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw the light and separated the light from the darkness. Yes. And called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. God created day and night (laughs) without one single heavenly body. No moon, no stars, no sun. They didn't come along until the fourth day in the creation story. Isn't that interesting? The creation story begins the powerful metaphor that was so important for the Johannine and John community that created these stories. So they look back, they hearken back to the Genesis story where God is in control of all the light and all the darkness. And they bring that into the beginning of their story. Listen to the beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Boom. The writers of the Gospel of John want you to hear the beginning story of Genesis and want you to understand the partnership, the community, the depth of the symbolism as they begin to tell the story of Jesus as the Word of God, a living, walking Word of God. In other words, let me translate that into Kentucky vernacular, that Jesus was all God wanted to say. Jesus was all God had to say. And it's very simple. So these mystical Jews are now going to tell you every story in the Gospel of John based out of this understanding that God's word took on flesh and lived among us and in the darkness was the light that shone. Men outside the community of John's Gospel were in the darkness. 
the people inside John's community were in the light. Jesus is the light of all humankind. And in the Gospel of John, life, whose source is always God, and light, which was the first thing created, are all associated with God. And we need to see that. So today I want to look at a story that is, I'm afraid to walk now, I'm afraid I'm going to go down the crack here. See, I've got a hole in that carpet, hole in that carpet. Sorry, I'll stand on this board right here. So, today we're going to look at a story that's familiar to everybody. If you've been in vacation Bible school, Sunday school, all your life, you're going to know the character of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a character unique to the Gospel of John. He appears three times in John. He is a Pharisee, but he has a Greek name, which is also interesting. He's a leader in the Jewish community, but he has a Greek name. So, he comes to God, Jesus at night. Very familiar story. So, this is John 3. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter again the second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? Nicodemus appears three times in the Gospel, John 3, John 7, and John 19. And we'd like to know lots more about his character because he's a very rich character who enters the scene and is provocative. He makes us think. We identify with him. All the doubters and seekers and questions we have, we also attach to this conversation with Jesus. This guy is basically saying, we get it that you're somebody special. Only God could allow someone to do what you do. We, We totally get that. But we just can't go there that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus for God, Jesus for John is the presence of God, a new and unique worker of wonders and signs. He's come into the world to change people. You've heard that so much, that overly used verse, for God so loved the world, and it's been literally translated and fundamentally spoken so many ways. But what he's really saying is what is important after that. God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world 
to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Very controversial verse in today's battle for the Bible or over the Bible or through the Bible or whatever you want to call it. What is interesting to me is what follows that, what follows those verses there. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. And here's the rest of the scripture, and this is the condemnation. The light is come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. That's kind of the important piece there. Here's the condemnation. It's not what I think you do is a sin. It's not what the government thinks you do or what anybody... The condemnation is people will ultimately choose the darkness because they're not proud of what they're doing. And God sent Jesus in the world to alter it, to give us a better path, a better possibility, a better opportunity to transform ourselves and ultimately our world into light from darkness. Nicodemus came to Jesus shrouded in night. And it is a symbol. The symbol of his own ignorance. And the ignorance and the darkness of the council. They just don't get it. And they don't want to. Nicodemus and his colleagues were men of the Bible. Of the Bible as they knew it. The Torah. They knew God was mighty. They knew God was magnificent. Acting always. God always acted outside the boundaries of the normal. Right? And all of their stories. Parting seas and shrouding mountains. Sending manna. God always acted outside the boundaries of the human life and the ordinary. But when Jesus does the very same thing in the company of all these people who are God's people, the Jews, they don't accept it. Jesus acting outside the boundaries of the normal, creating miracles and feeding thousands and doing wondrous works, they simply cannot accept it. He does amazing things, but instead of getting wild applause, go Jesus, and instead of earning their allegiance, he gets pushback. So in their conversation, Nicodemus and Jesus, you notice something that's also very familiar. Jesus says several times, I truly, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, I say unto you. When you see this, and it's been translated, of course, into the English language, what you're you're to notice is when Jews see this written down and the early Christians saw it written down, it it was a red flag. It was a herald. When Jesus would say, amen, amen, or verily, verily, I say unto you, Everybody's supposed to stop and lean in because the very next thing he says is going to be provocative. It's going to be something that will stir and stun. So all of these times throughout this conversation, Jesus is saying verily to Nicodemus, verily, listen, this is going to stun you. And then he stuns him indeed and says you have to be born again. (laughs) Now, We talk about that a lot in in, uh, Christian life and about being born again and all of that good stuff, but I want to tell you that that's not what it says. The real translation of this scripture from the oldest manuscripts we have is Jesus says you must be born from above. You must be born from above. And then he talks about natural birth. He says you're going to be born of water. So when a mom's water breaks, birth is going to happen, right? So that's what he's talking about. You're gonna, all people are born this way, every single human. They're born when the water breaks. 
But when you are transformed by the presence of God, you will be born from above. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives life to spirit. That's what he's talking about there. And of course, like us, like Nicodemus, we would all be scratching our heads too. Like, I don't even know how that's possible, right? It's not possible. And so Jesus says, I know you don't understand. I've been speaking to you of earthly things and you don't get it. How will you get it when I do what I just did and speak to you of heavenly things? It is a really pithy scene. And it packs far more wallop than most of us have been taught in our churches. It's empowering and it's powerful. Jesus was saying, for you to understand who I am, you must have a transformative experience. You must see with insight, and yes, even second sight. You must open yourselves up to a totally new perspective. When you do, you will be born from above, and you will be changed. The Pharisee of Israel goes out into the dark just as he came in. And we're to understand that he is not more enlightened than when he walked in the door. In fact, he's more confused and puzzled, but somehow still attracted to Jesus because he reappears a couple of times further in that gospel. So we look at this story and we ask, does it ma- what does it matter to us now? And that's a fair question to ask of any text in the scriptures. What does it matter to us now? It certainly had meaning then. What does it mean now? Excuse me. What does it mean now? I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of humanity, recorded history, where darkness and light are more obvious. Where the division between us as societies and faiths and genders and races and ideologies, all of these things have divided us so deeply. The darkness seems to have hold and seems to be winning the day. Even for people of faith who claim the same Jesus as their Lord and Savior, spouting hate, breathing hate and destruction to brothers and sisters all over the world. It's a hot mess. It is a hot mess. And that's why this story to me is more powerful than ever. I've always loved the story, but it's more powerful to me now because, my friends, we must be born from above so that we can transform what is here below. It is so important And I'm not talking about a sweet by and by, show up for church and give your money. I'm talking about rolling up our sleeves and getting into doing that spiritual work that it takes to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the renewing of your spirit. To make that journey, to not just be seated in this beautiful sanctuary with our friends, but to be aware of of the experience of Jesus Christ in this life so that we can be born from above and give birth to spirit. I think this is an axial age, a time of paradigm shifts, mind shifts, and it's a scary time. Many of us won't live to see the other side of the shift, but we can be part of it.
for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And I think it is the call upon our lives to open ourselves up to a greater spiritual experience in this life. I noticed on Pastor Tim's desk, he has a, a book study, I think, prepared for you. And it was shocking to me and, and it blessed me to read about it because it's about self-awareness and self-compassion and mindfulness. Wowza. I wouldn't have seen that in a Baptist church a while back. Wouldn't see it in many right now. That language is exactly the language of the Gospel of John. Jesus is saying, and I want you to be mindful, Nicodemus. You know what, how God acts. God always behaves outside of the boundaries of the natural. God does wondrous things. You've seen me do wondrous things. Let that move you and shape you. Let that get down into your spiritual DNA and be born from above. Was the story just for Nicodemus? Apparently not. It was written down for the disciples to read, the followers to read, the Johannine community to read. And here we are, over 2,000 years later, still talking about it. The words of Jesus, the call of Jesus is always vibrant and vital. And now the time is right for the world to see the transformation of Christianity into a true new life that transcends the evil and the hate and the bitterness in this world and fills it with light. Light came into darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. We can't let that be the final word. Let your light shine. Pray with me, if you would. Lord, you are light, radiant, wonderful, blessed, beautiful light in our lives. Thank you. And thank you that you've called us to let our light shine. Ignite a fire in our spirits so that we can illuminate the planet with your love. Right here in this place, let it begin here and fan out across the globe. The light of love, the light of life, and the light of hope. In Jesus' sweet name, amen.
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure a lot of you would like to say a word to Angie, so she'll be at the door with, along with George, her husband, George Ohelia, so you can say hello.